If you're an impact investor and believe in the power of patient capital to change lives, build communities, and create a more inclusive economy, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the best podcast, short for Black Entrepreneurs Survive and Thrive. We share the impact of patient capital when combined with the grit, resilience, and determination of Black entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, founder and CEO of Ironbound Boxing and Ironbound Media, both based in Newark, New Jersey, where I have a passion for all things social impact, economic development, and community empowerment. On this episode of The Best Podcast, I interview Dr. Sophia Webb, a Newark native and founder of Brilliant Smiles Pediatric Dentistry, a unique dental environment that focuses on total body wellness for children. Sophia and I discuss how the pandemic has impacted her business and how through it all, she's kept her small team inspired, employed, and still able to serve the community through her pediatric dental services. Honestly, this interview was a joy to have because Sophia has such a fun and energetic personality along with a strong business acumen. Before you hear from Sophia and I, make sure you subscribe to the Best Podcast newsletter at the link in the show notes. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from hearing these inspiring and uplifting stories of Black entrepreneurs. We appreciate you for tuning in with us today and hope you enjoy the following episode. So we're sitting down today with Dr. Sophia Webb. Doctor, y'all, y'all put y'all put some respect on her name. I mean, Sophia's just fine. Sophia's so, fine. Sophia's just fine. Yeah. But, uh, Sophia, welcome to uh, the New Jersey Best Podcast. How are you doing Good. today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I can't complain. I get to interview great entrepreneurs such as yourself. Will you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to our listeners that are, are tuning in today? So uh, once again, my name is Sophia Webb. I'm a Newark native, born right here um, at Newark Beth Israel. I'm a product of the South Ward. I grew up in Seth Boynton Housing Project until I was around 15 years old. And then I moved on the other side of Weekway Park uh, on Pomona. And um, I stayed there until I went off to college. Howard University. And then That's right. Well, I went to Montclair State for my, my bachelor's, and then I went to Howard University for my DDS, uh, and now I'm a practicing dentist. And when did you open up your uh, practice? So I've been a dentist since 2009, but I opened up my first uh, private office as a pediatric dentist a month before coronavirus happened. So we're going to get- Very interesting. Very <laughs> interesting. You know, we're interviewing sure. another entrepreneur- and she was opening up her second location, a brick and mortar kind of dance studio, right before COVID hit. So wow. there's this going. Is it Inspira by chance? It is Inspira. They're my neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting that y'all kind of going through the same thing and that we hear this recurring theme. And just hearing your background story, um, you know, you've already shown tons of resilience. Mm. One of the things I've been asking all of our, our interviewees is, when you hear the term resilience and how it relates to the last 16 months, what kind of pops into your mind? You know, I think before this pandemic, you know, when I thought of resilience, I thought about it being a choice to be strong, right? It's like, well, you know, I'm going to weather the storm and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stand tough and whatever happens, happens. But now, you know, resilience hasn't really been a choice. It has just been, you better be resilient if you're going to make it to the other side. 
Absolutely. Um, and you know, that's a going, that's a going trend for people that are surviving and thriving currently, even though it doesn't always kind of feel like it, but you know, 47% of black owned businesses cease generate income during the COVID wow. during the pandemic doors shut. And so it's a real honor to have, to see all of you, you know, still here strong in the fight. And it is a testament to your resilience. So one of the things I'd like you to do is take us back to the history of, well, what gave you the confidence to kind of step out on your own and uh, start your own practice? What was okay. that? Um, so like I said, I finished general school in 2009 and I did a residency at Newark Beth Israel as to be a general dentist. And I finished that in 2010. In my first job, I was working for Newark Public School System as a dentist. So several of the elementary schools, such as Dayton Street School, where I'm a former student, also uh, Bruce Street School, um, Quitman Street School, Central High School, they had these little um, medical slash dental clinics within the school ran by Jewish Renaissance Medical Center. And I was the dentist at several of these schools. And I only treated children, but you know I was a general dentist, so I could treat anyone. And I really fell in love with just connecting with the children and really um, being able to be kind of like more than their dentist, right? So I'm from their neighborhood. We eat at the same restaurants. You know, we go to the same, you know, places to get ice cream. And so I really was able to connect with them personally. Um, but my what I was able to provide for them as their dentist was a little limited because I was not a specialist. So I went back to school for two additional years. I went back to Howard in D.C. so that I can, you know, be legit as a pediatric dentist. And then I came back to Newark because, I mean, this is where I fell in love with, with pediatric dentistry. And so when I came back to, actually, I didn't come straight back to Newark. I went to South Jersey and I was working for a group practice. I was traveling all over the state. I mean, I worked in Deptford. I worked in um, Absecon, Egg Harbor, Millville. Uh, I worked at all over. I worked up in Morris County. And so I was traveling so much and living in Newark. And I realized once I got this one particular job, it was a brand new office. They didn't have a pediatric dentist. And so they hired me to build it up. And they were doing tremendously great. I said, well, wow, I must really have a skill set. I must really be, you know, decent, you know, at least because they're, you know, it's doing very well. We've gotten great reviews. The patients are doing, you know, they're continuously coming back. And the staff members showed me an incredible amount of respect. And so I said, you know what? Like, you know, no risk, no reward. And, you know, I'm tired of traveling. I want to be home more, uh, closer to my family. And so I kind of just jumped out the window and said, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I think I'm good at this or, you know, I'm passionate about it at least. And so that may translate into me doing well, working for myself. And so I just, I just did it. Just woke up one day and made the decision. We call that jumping out of the airplane without a parachute. For sure. You figure it out on the way down. Or you, yeah, you, you know. Crash. <laughs> yeah. So when you were launching your business, a couple of things. Did you have any kind of business acumen previously? Did you None. know anybody in your family that was like an entrepreneur or something? None. The second question is, where did you get your initial capital to start your practice? Okay, so... When I was traveling, at, for one year, I lived in South Jersey and I was traveling everywhere, but then I wanted to come back home. So when I came to Newark, I ended up meeting um, with, at the time it was Brick City Development Corps. And so they introduced me to a gentleman 
um, with Rising Tide Capital. And so they had this entrepreneur's course and it was a 12 week course. And I said, oh, you know, this seems interesting. I don't know anything about running a business and I just have a desire to learn. So I jumped right in, said, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I jumped in, I started learning and I started going to all of the information sessions that they were having. And one of the sessions that was at the Newark Public Library was about obtaining capital for your business. And so I went there and at the time, City National Bank was there. And I got to meet with a gentleman, Willie Blaylock, and I, you know, I, I inquired about having a meeting with him, just about some things that I wanted to do here in the city. And to my surprise, he obliged. And so I, I was able to get a meeting with him. And I went in, I had a presentation about what I wanted to do. And he told me that he he thinks that the bank would be able to help me. And so, you know, I told, you know, I have tons of other friends, obviously, that are dentists or physicians that have their own practices. And the majority of them were like, well, you know, you're going to go with a local bank, but you should go with one of the bigger banks, you know, Wells Fargo, PNC, Bank of America. They have, you know, a map for dentists, you know, like they, they love to loan to dentists. You can do this. You'll have a lower interest rate and they'll pretty much just set you up for success. And that sounded really, really good. But, you know, I'm from Newark. I'm from Brick City. You know, I wanted to do something a little bit different and I wanted to do something that was really connected to the community. And so I went ahead and, and signed up and got my my capital from City National Bank, which actually proved to be the best decision I could have made in this process. And that decision alone, I think, really is what has kept me through the pandemic and has allowed me to see 1,039 patients after being open for 12 months. And that's including a three month shutdown. Yeah, no, there's a real power in community banking and it showed itself during the pandemic when everybody was getting their PPP loans and everything else. Yeah. You know, banks really um, kind of stepped up because when you have your capital inside of these institutions, you want to talk to somebody on the phone. For sure. You, know, you want to get a hold of somebody, especially in a crisis. And I think that's the power of community banking. And then just hearing you talk and all of all of uh, the entrepreneurs we've interviewed thus far, there's just such this passion of community and give back and uplift that is really just inspiring for me as a host of this series. Um, and I can just see the energy in you when you when you start talking about it. Now, you step out, you get the money, you're ready to go, you get the t-shirts, get the logos, you know, oh, yeah. you're running for a month, and then the pandemic hits. How were you able to survive over the last, you know, 12 months, 16 months, really? Ooh, I mean, it's definitely been a challenge. I think initially, so I was, I had my daughter also um, right before I opened my practice. Uh, she was about, mm, I would say she was two weeks old when they started construction. And so my daughter was under the age of one by the time that I opened and coronavirus hit. And to be quite honest, during the shutdown, at first I was relieved because I had been going, going, going just like nonstop. And I, I was just, I was overwhelmed. And so I needed a second to breathe. And so the initial portion of the shutdown, the first couple of weeks, I just loved and I just stayed home with my daughter and I was just a mom and I nursed and I just relaxed. And I just accepted this break. I didn't know the break was going to be three months. You know, I thought maybe a couple weeks. And so maybe after like week three, I'm like, okay, I started really dialing in. All right. Okay. Now I'm like, what's going on here? You know, but like I said, doing, um, you know, banking with city national bank, which is now industrial bank 
it really paid off because um, they funneled my money through the SBA. And so during the shutdown, what they did was they paid back um, toward the principal of my loan that I don't have to pay back. So that was one thing that I did not have to worry about actually up until a couple months ago. Well, what else, what were some other challenges you had to face? Because I'm hearing you talk, right? I already, I know how challenging it is to be an entrepreneur, let alone running a, a, a small business. Um, and so then you also have your stakeholders, which are the clients that you serve and they're dealing with, you know, job loss and all the other stuff that goes into it. And so what was it like for you having to navigate all that, making sure that you're not only that you were taken care of, but letting your clients know that, hey, everything was going to be okay, that you guys were still here to serve the community? Well, um, I, I'm also a part of the urban enterprise zone. So most of the people that I hire are actually um, Newark residents. And so, you know, and like I said, initially, I didn't think that the shutdown was going to be that long or, you know, be that great of an impact. But after a couple of weeks and, you know, three weeks went into four, went into five and, and so, so on and so forth. I really had to gather myself. And by gather myself, I had to say, okay. The beautiful thing about my business is that it is very essential. You know, um, children, they have to have their oral health, um, you know, constantly checked on. Um, it is a service that, you know, we get emergencies all the time. I'm also on staff at Newark Beth Israel Hospital and at the time Rutgers Dental School. And so it was even though I wasn't in my practice seeing patients, I still was going to the hospital for emergency patients. And I realized during this time that, you know what, like this is a this is an essential service. And even through the pandemic, my business cannot just sit and wait for an upswing. And so when we reopened, we actually had a tremendous influx of patients. I mean, it was overwhelming. Even now, I mean, and, and we're, you know, I think we're towards the end of this pandemic we're like booking out in, into November now. And so we're overwhelmed with people. We're overwhelmed with, um, I mean, and people from all over too. So I think a, a main thing that, you know, that's really kept me in, you know, even with being stressed during that time is like, okay, but my business is providing a service that they really need. Right. And so it's not like, um, you know, thankfully, you know, it's not like it's, um, you know, something that is really an option for people. You know, children have pain, children have disease, children, you know, need to get back into school. And so I think that has really been the sustainable portion of, okay, and, and thankfully, most of these children still had coverage. So even if parents have lost their job, um, you know, I, I think, businesses in general, big businesses and small, have really during this time, um, I don't think they really, from my experience, they haven't abandoned people in the sense of, you know, taking away all of their benefits, because that is that was not an issue at all with people coming in saying, hey, I, I don't have any coverage whatsoever. And even in the handful of cases that we did see, we did do those cases pro bono, because over 90% of the patients that were coming in, they still had coverage, whether it was through a state-funded Medicaid program, whether it was a PPO insurance plan, or whether they were paying out of pocket. Um, we really did not um, really get hit by the fact that some people were losing their jobs. If anything, that really freed up time for people to bring their children into the dentist. So I think, you know, it's opposite of what most people would think. It's like most people don't come because they can't get off work. They can't get the time. But with everyone being home and everyone doing virtual learning, it was just 
I mean, it was packed in here. It was really, really busy. So it's almost like that silver lining, you know, this idea that like, yo, you launch your business and then the pandemic hits and you're overwhelmed or whatever, but you had such an essential service, you know, with so many kids at home and all this kind of stuff. They like, you were primed to benefit. The other thing is, and I think it's important is your business is based in Newark, right? You're at at Teachers Village, you know? And so they're coming right to you. And so Mm -hmm. it really sounds like the pandemic has allowed you to thrive in some sense because, you know, again, like I mentioned previously, a lot of businesses cease generating revenue for some time, but it sounds like your revenue has been okay throughout this pandemic. It's, I mean, I'm coming from not having any experience. You know, I don't have anything to compare it to. I can't say, hey, last quarter before the pandemic, we did X, Y, Z, and then this is how we were hit. So the base, my baseline is pandemic. So before I had even received any payments from insurance companies, it was like I had already had to shut down. So all of this is just, it's my norm. I don't know anything different. How many uh, staff do you have? Right now I have eight employees and we have one interviewee coming in today. What was that process like during the shutdown with the managing the employees and, you know, letting them know that everything was going to be okay? Well, I lost a few because they had to relocate um, for job purposes. Um, And so I had, you know, I returned back here to work with two employees and one of them is still with me today. Um, And so we had to like hire, you know, an entirely new team, which has been challenging. Um, The pool of applicants has been very small. Um, I'm sure it's for various reasons, but I think in any type of small business, staffing is always a difficult part. It is it is always sometimes the most difficult part. Um, You're passionate and you really want people that are going to come and join your team that buy into it and are also passionate. Um, I've been fortunate enough to really find a few people that have really been committed, um, but it, it stays um, it stays a struggle to make sure that you're finding people um, that you know have your same value system and are able to deliver our services um, and, and communicate with our community the way that I would prefer them to. I have a small business coach and he says, uh, be slow to hire and quick to fire. Oh, you yeah. know, and when you bring people into your company, you're inviting them into your home, you know, yeah. you're building that culture and their reflection of you and their reflection of your brand and, and what you stand for. A lot of entrepreneurs had to do some form of pivot during the pandemic, whether teaching virtual or offering a new product or service. Did you have to pivot anything? Was there anything you had to do differently that you had planned on with regards to uh, serving your clients? So I did offer the option for uh, televisits, like if there was um, a patient that was experiencing an emergency and I just needed to be able to get eyes on the patient to direct them somewhere. I did offer that, Um, but no one really used that service. I think I was so new. I was only open for four weeks that most people didn't really even know that I was here. We had shot a commercial maybe like a few weeks before the shutdown, and that was on television. But as soon as the shutdown happened, I took it off. But I think what really has been a tremendous aid in my success, you know, air quotes around that, uh, someone came in and there's a Black-owned New Jersey group. And so a patient of mine came in. The mom was very pleased, you know, with the office and with the service that she received from me and my staff. 
And she took a picture and she posted us in there and we went viral. Literally after that post, we came back on Monday morning and had like a hundred messages. And so every so often, maybe once a month, someone will post us in there and then we get a new influx of patients. So even though I did offer a service to do something virtual, because most people really didn't know I existed, and I think most people were really in a state of shock um, at the moment when I you know, began offering it, it just, I, I didn't have to, I didn't do anything. So all of my work during the pandemic or during the shutdown came from other doctors that reached out to me from the hospital that called my phone directly um, on times that I had to go in and, and provide assistance at the hospital. But in my office, no, we were quiet for three months. The more and more I hear you talk, the more I think we should switch places. Like you should be, <laughs> you should be the one interviewing the entrepreneurs about <laughs> thriving. So as you start to look towards the future and you think about your practice and what direction you're headed, you know, the pandemic has been very challenging for a lot of people, obviously, mm -hmm. but people are also tired of the pandemic, right? We yeah. need some, some inspiration. You know, we, there's gotta be more to just, you know, this past, you know, 16 months. And so as you look towards the future, where do you see your practice headed? What do you hope to uh, accomplish? How are you going to thrive, continue thriving? Well, thankfully, um, like I said, we're booked out and like people can't get a new appointment, I think now until October or November. And so currently we're at four chair capacity. Um, I just placed an order. So now we're going to go up to six chairs and uh, we should be fully outfitted. So the office will be ready to accommodate six patients um, at one time. Uh, that should start sometime in October. So uh, we just, you know, expanding physically, being able to accommodate more people, but also um, bringing on and, you know, I've been working with um, gentlemen with New Jersey Best with just helping me to figure out um, proper hires of people that are really going to help to grow and elevate the team. So maybe in the future, like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I have a really good um, business model that perhaps I can franchise. Or say, hey, you know, my office right here is in Newark. You know, maybe I want another office in another part of Newark or in another town, a neighboring city. So just expansion, whether that looks like franchising or a second location. Um, you know, I kind of have been accepting what the universe has kind of been like showing me. And so it hasn't shown me exactly what direction to go in yet. But once we get fully outfitted and we get I get the the support staff to where I would like it to be, then I think that the option is going to be blaring in my face. And that may look like a second location or expanded services, such as, um, you know, doing some laser surgeries to help out new moms that are breastfeeding to help with some tongue tie releases um, and just offering that to people here in our community so that they don't have to go um, further out for that or maybe see a, a, an oral surgeon for that. So just expanding my services and adding more locations, I think that would be in the immediate future. Have you talked to any of your uh, dentist peers that have their own practices and some of the challenges that they're facing? Is it Was it similar to yours? It's very similar. I mean, I don't think anyone, any of my pediatric dentist friends have had any issues with people not coming in. That is in the, in the vast minority of people that don't want to come out because of COVID. Um, most people have been bringing their children in regularly, uh, making their six-month recall appointments. When they have uh, treatment that needs to be done, they're definitely coming in. And I mean, I speak to my friends daily in Texas, Washington, D.C., and Las Vegas, so, you know, North Carolina, 
we have not been having that problem of people not wanting to come in. So one of the things that we've been that we've been talking about with this series is also the importance of having patient capital. You know, a lot of times, you know, this conversation keeps coming up for black small business owners about we need access to capital. We need access to capital. And sometimes that comes in the form of patient capital, which is grant, low interest loans, you know, mm -hmm. the full spectrum. How critical has some of that kind of capital been to your, your venture over the course of this, this pandemic? I could not have done it without it. Simply put, I mean, being being busy and having lots of patience does not always translate to lots of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to make that clear. So being a new business owner with, you know, very little business acumen, right? And hiring a staff of people to do certain tasks that I feel like, okay, this is what's going to help us get through this work week. And seeing patients, I would have imagined that, wow, if I'm this busy, you know, it, it's going to, I'm going to generate this much income. And that has not been the case, right? I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to still be open and still be hiring people. But I have also been blessed with um, with lots of grants that have really allowed me to continue to progress and keep supplies. I mean, I'm thinking about just dentistry, supplies have gone through the roof. I mean, gloves went from maybe $10, $15 a box to like $30 for a box of gloves, right? And, you know, in pediatrics, you're in and out of the room, gloves are on, gloves are off, you're seeing many people. I mean, when I place a glove order, that's almost $1,000 sometimes. And that is crazy. So the more patients that I'm seeing, even, you know, it may not generate as much revenue as you think. The supplies, I mean, the cost has just tripled with that. So getting grants to allow for me to hire more people, to make sure that we are, um, you know, fully stocked with the supplies, um, and also that we're able to still provide a great patient experience and and give things to our patients that they're that they are expecting when they come to the dentist. So you know I received definitely the PPP uh, forgivable loan and my loan uh, at least the first one has been forgiven. Um, NJEDA grant has been fantastic. Uh, United Way, I, I really have been. Um, what do they call the thirty day fund? Also through. Um, a former governor and his wife, That's that's been a great help. So I really have been tremendously blessed with that financial help that has definitely been needed. And certainly I wouldn't be able to now make that order to operate at full capacity if I did not have that assistance. So it's, I could not have survived. I, I could not weather this storm without help from the SBA, without help with all of the grants that I've, I've been given. And also, I'm sure with other entrepreneurs, those low interest loans, I mean, it's just, it's necessary. I mean, even now with me looking for someone to really be like manage my practice with because I'm so busy, that's going to cause, you know, for me to get someone that is phenomenal, they're going to want to benefit, right? They're going to want some health insurance. They're going to want, you know, a robust compensation package and just being the little guy, you know, I can't offer that now, but, you know, with with the help of like New Jersey Best, as well as some other grants and low interest loans, then this is something that I'm hoping to be able to offer in the immediate future. It's definitely needed. I, I couldn't have, I couldn't still be in business without it. No way. You know, they always say cash is king, but this is particularly for small businesses. And you're absolutely right with that overhead, purchasing equipment, making sure your staffing is paid. And 
what is the turnaround time from the uh, a patient comes in, you treat them until the money uh, is hits in the bank account from their um, insurance? Depends. Sometimes two weeks, sometimes a month. Right. And so when you're seeing so many patients and then I, I have a young lady that reconciles everything. Right. So as we get reimbursed from insurance companies, then you have to go into our system and put it in. And then you have to look, hey, were we compensated for this patient that we saw? And she does a wonderful job, but she she just had a baby at 24 weeks. And so now, you know, she's not really here full time. So even though we're churning out the work, you know, hey, have we been being compensated for it? So that's an entire, you know, different process of the business that you must follow up on all the time. So it's not just, hey, come see us, you know, we're great. And let's do the work. We have to submit the claim. You know, we have to check to make sure we were reimbursed. And then if if there was a glitch, we have to send out a bill. And then did we collect? So it's so many different, you know, steps that have to be taken that's going to translate into revenue. And so if you get one mishap, you know, hey, you know, you get paid when you get paid. So it, it's, it's been a challenge and I've been learning a lot. Um, but for some reason, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to the man upstairs. You know, it, it's been it's been working out. We've been trucking along. This podcast is named Black Entrepreneurs Survive and Thrive, which is a short for, you know, best. And literally just watching you talk and some of these other entrepreneurs, y'all really are the best and bright, some of the best and brightest we have here in the state of New Jersey. And just what you hinted at, making sure you're getting the receivables taken care of making sure that, you know, you're delivering quality service to your clients. And one of the things that we both know is that being in Newark, sometimes people think that the service is not as high. And there's mm. a whole study on this put out by the Brookings Institute, how uh, black businesses get ranked lower in certain neighborhoods just by centrally where they're located. And I mm. love the fact that you've pushed past that and made sure that you're delivering, you know, quality service. You've got to apply for these grants. These grant applications aren't, you know, just, just yeah. super easy. And all of doing this all while maintaining the other stuff. And the fact that you're doing it with a smile on your face, delivering value to these kids, I'm like, I'm blown away and I'm super impressed. And so what I want to ask you is oh, thank you. to all our listeners that are tuning in, people that are interested in understanding the challenges that black entrepreneurs face, people that have the ability to deliver patient capital in the form of those grants or low interest loans, you know, what would you like, what message would you like to uh, leave them with? You guys are all the heartbeat of small businesses here and, and I'm sure, you know, all across the nation, you know, most times it is a week to week thing. It's week to week, you know, and people may say, oh, how's business? And I'm like, it's great this week. You know, I'm able to make payroll. You know, I'm able to get supplies. I don't know about next week. You know, I don't know about the week after. And so, um, these institutions or these, you know, these angels that are able to provide the help to small and micro businesses, you are really the backbone and the heartbeat, especially during this time, because you have people that haven't given up, you know, on my street alone. I think all of my neighbors are black owned businesses, except for one. And I can see even there, there's a gym on the corner and I can remember being the only person in there working out during the pandemic and right before the pandemic. And now it's booming. And so, and I'm sure that they have, you know, more than likely have had 
you know, some assistance and weathering that storm. But, you know, just people are here ready to work hard. They're ready to give it their all. Um, they have already put in a tremendous amount of sweat equity out there. And truly all some people are really needing now is the finance portion to, you know, help support their families as well as to provide for their employees' families. You know, I didn't really consider at the time, but, you know, you have all these people that are looking to me to, to help to take care of their family. And that's a tremendous charge. And so I take you know, how we deliver um, our services and how responsible that I choose to be with um, the money that comes in, as well as spending my time late night applying for these grants is to keep not only myself and the business thriving, but to also, you know, help out my eight people that are, you know, have chosen to come and, and be on my team that have families to take care of. So please, you know, continue to, you know, provide assistance and, you know, look for people that are, you know, that have really put in um, that sweat equity to, you know, because it's not easy, you know, and some people may say, well, you know, you're a dentist, you kind of already know what you're going to do. But whether you are, you know, making snow cones or a dentist or selling clothing, it really takes a tremendous amount of energy. Um, and so these people are really passionate, especially if they've gotten so far to open a business they really need your help. They meaning me too. We, we all need your help and we are all doing well and thriving because of that just constant help, you know, round one, round two, round three. It has just really been what's kept me afloat 100%. Sophie, it's been such an honor sitting here being with you today. Thank I wish you. you were, if you weren't a pediatric dentist, I'd be over there tomorrow. <laughs> I drive to Livingston oh. uh, for, for, for services. But I want to ask you this. How can we as a community support you? What is it that you need from us? Um, if you know any children that need um, dental services, if you know someone that needs to come to the dentist for the first time, please direct them to me and I will do the rest. I'll ensure that they come back and that they spread the word. Love it. And we'll be sure to include a link um, in the in the show notes uh, to your website. Thank you. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Kids with an S dentist. So fun kids dentist. And, you know, we're really crazy over here. We like to have a good time and, you know, we play the best music in here. And aside from being a dental office, we're actually a fine art gallery. So we have some pieces here from uh, Bisa Butler, uh, Genesis Tremaine, Hebrew Brantley, and also local artists here in Newark, Kevin Darmany. So uh, most people, when they come in, it's the first thing they want to talk about is the artwork. And even you, Mike, please come check us out. Um, and, and enjoy, enjoy the art. You don't have to get your teeth clean. You can just come by. I'm coming by. I want to hang out with you. Your energy is too good. I got to come. Oh, I need to come get some uplift myself. But come again, on. it's been a pleasure. And again, Likewise. make sure y'all follow her. For all our listeners, do us a favor and subscribe to Black Entrepreneurs Survive and Thrive on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using. We'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who can benefit from hearing these uplifting stories and has the ability to deliver some patient capital to entrepreneurs such as Sophie. To learn more about the Center for Urgent Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers Business School, please visit www.business.rutgers.edu slash Q-C-U-E-E-D. I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. <laughs>